Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. You know, um, I come from a town called Middlebury. I was raised in Middlebury, and our background is Mennonite, Mennonite and Amish. And there's a story going around that the Amish started getting a little upset because of the, all the notoriety of Notre Dame. And so they held a meeting in their district, and Bishop Yoder, by the way, called the meeting and said, we, we need to counteract all this notoriety and maybe build a school, but we need, but we need a, a slogan and a model. And so they met for a week, and everybody submitted different ideas. So finally, they came up with an idea, and they said, I think we're going to go ahead and build a school, and we've got the name. It's going to be called Yoder Dame and the Fighting Amish. (laughs) So far, I don't think they've built a school. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to be here this morning. I know Pat, I know Lou, and I know some of the others I see on Thursday mornings, and it's a real delight to be here to share how much Jesus has done for me and how much mercies he's shown me. And after I came to Christ, I was mentored by men called Christian businessmen, uh, Charlie Miller and Dan Nystrand and a few other faithful saints in the church who were businessmen, because when I came to Christ, I wanted to use my business as a place and a, and a podium to share Jesus and tell more people about Jesus Christ. And I was blessed this morning to have one of their executives come here this morning, Dean Dino Rosopoulos, who's our form. Yoderopoulos. <laughs> we're, we're getting him grooved in. <laughs> and my wife is here this morning. She's part of my testimony. And Israel has seen my passion, along with a, another dear friend that you know very dearly, Paul File are kind of instigators, and we kind of set each other on fire when we were together. And we just recently uh, did a class over at our church in Granger on how to share Jesus without fear. And I really truly believe that every one of us, if you're a born-again Christian, you should have a mission's heart. And when I came to Christ, I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus Christ, but nobody would listen. <laughs> and it took about 10 years of praying before God gave me, uh, share Jesus without fear and equip me on how to do that. So I've got some cue cards here this morning for you who are interested in learning how to share Jesus without fear. And I'll guarantee you, you know, I was a quiet kid. I didn't want to talk to anybody in front of a group. And after I came to Christ, I, I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. And I've seen hundreds come to Christ because of share Jesus without fear. Uh, Jesus is the passionate one. He came to seek and save that which is lost. That's Luke 19.10 when he came and saw Zacchaeus sitting up in a sycamore tree and called him down by name. He created the tree so he could sit up there called him down by name, and he caused Zacchaeus to go out on a limb. 
And he calls us to go out on a limb for Jesus Christ. And he called him down. And Zacchaeus, he told him, I says, I want to go to your house today. And he wants to be in each and every one of your house today. Not only your home where you live physically, but this temple here. He wants to live in this temple to seek and save that which is lost. But I think too many times we have this fear of silence, right? We all have a fear of silence, don't we? We all have. I have it. I still get it. I still get it today. Fear of rejection. Fear that I don't know enough. Um, fear someone will ask me a question. I, I won't have the answer. Maybe I'll get persecuted. Maybe I'll lose my friends. And we all have these fears. It doesn't go away. But how many of you have been in the military? How many of you have been in the military? i got two, three, three of you. You don't go to war, do you, without a weapon? You don't go to war without being trained up, right? That doesn't mean when you go into war and face battle, you're not afraid, right? You are. You are. But with the right equipment, you can overcome your fears. You can overcome your fears. And I'll tell you, by asking simple questions and caring enough about listening to people where they are spiritually, confirming them, and, and loving on them by just not preaching and banging them over the head with the Christian gospel or the Bible, you'll see people transform before your eyes because that's the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share a passage out of John. Hi, Paul. Welcome. Good to see you. God bless you. <laughs> I want to share a passage out of John 4. John 4. Jesus, in this passage, had to go through Samaria. Had to go to Samaria. And the reason why he had to go to Samaria was why? He had to see a Samaritan lady, didn't he? Now, how many of you have had neighbors that you don't even want to talk to because, you know, they're just downright evil? You know, they're drinking and partying, and I don't want anything to do with them. I mean, I'm not going to go ask them for help. They're so evil. How many of us intentionally avoid getting in the path of these evil people? You want to avoid them? Dearly, here's Jesus going to talk to this Samaritan lady who the Jews would have nothing to do with, right, Pastor? And plus, you know, she's had five husbands, and she's presently living with some man. And guess what? What does Jesus do? He goes and asks her for a drink from the well. And she says, you've got to be kidding. You're a Jew. You'd be asking me. For a drink of water, I should, you know, I should be asking you. He says, that's right. If you only knew who I was, I would give you the water of eternal life. And we have that gift in Jesus Christ to give people the gift of eternal life. We have the source living in us. His name is Jesus. And he wants you to open up and tell someone about Christ. And be willing 
to take that sacrifice like our Lord Jesus did. So his disciples, and he's debating with her. They're having a long discussion. And it goes on, and finally his disciples say, well, we got to run off and get something to eat. And she realizes after a discussion with Jesus, because he prophesies about her, and so she says, you must be a prophet, and you must, you must, he says, and the Messiah is I who is before you. He's one of the, so he tells this lady who's living in evil that he's the Messiah. He's one of the few times he's revealed that. And she goes running off, and the disciples go off to McDonald's someplace to get some quick food. And in this passage, in verses 31 to 37, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Wow. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Are we in his will? Do we desire to do his work? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Do, do you not say there are four months and then the harvest? Farmers know about this. He says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are white for harvest. Another passage, it says ripe. For harvest. Do you see the ripe fields all around you each and every day? They're ripe for harvest. Every day, someone is ripe for harvest. We have the answer to everybody's suffering. We have the answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. Yes. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That what? That all who look and believe shall have eternal life. We are the conduit. We're to be obedient, conduit servants of Jesus Christ, to lift up Christ before an unsaved world, a dark world. And all we, we don't save anybody. Success is living out your Christian life, sharing the gospel. And trusting God for the results. You trust him for the results because it's the power of the living word and the Holy Spirit that harvests souls for Jesus Christ. It's not you. I never harvested anybody. I never saved anybody. We had an experience at Yoder Oil. We, we, if you come to work at a Yoder Oil Company, you can share Jesus Christ because I, I know the owner. And I, I think he'll allow you to do that at work. We had a, an employee who was really bringing a lot of problems to work. And he was really causing some commotion. So one of my staff people said, can you pray with me? I really need your help in dealing with this situation. So we closed the door and prayed, 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 prayed. He, matter of fact, knocked on the door while we were there. And uh, I left. That afternoon, I get a call from my staff person says, guess what? Jesus harvested this man for Jesus Christ. But he said, you know, at work, we got to be careful because we know we can get sued or this and that if we 
do things now today because of the government's rules and regulations. But you know, Christ is still Lord. And he said, I've got the answer for you, but you've got to ask for it. When he discussed what this guy was struggling with. I've got the answer, but you've got to ask for it. And the guy says, I want it. He says, but you've got to ask for it. Finally, the guy said, I want it. I want the answer. <laughs> and he led him to Christ. And I praise the Lord for the faithfulness of that staff person to lift up Christ. At Yoder Oil, we have four purpose statements. Honor God, first of all. When we go to work, we know we're working for Jesus Christ. And we know that God wants us to serve man. Our second purpose statement is to serve man, to serve him diligently, and to grow in excellence, to develop excellence. And God wants prosperity. He wants prosperity in your businesses and your work. So grow profitably. Profit is good because it helps to redevelop your business. He wants you to tithe from your prosperity. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So I grew up in Middlebury, and I went through the Mennonite church. And my parents saw to it that we'd be in church. They were hardworking parents. And, uh, but when I was 13, 15 years old, my parents went through a horrible, horrible divorce. It was back in the 50s when it was unheard of. And I was age 13 at an influential age. And it really, really affected me because I felt the abandonment. I have a Savior who lives here who will never abandon me. My dad never said a bad word about my mother. And, um, but I still struggled because my mother never really recovered from what was going on. Uh, a lot of sin going on. Uh, with my father and mother. And uh, so I couldn't wait to leave home. And uh, when I went through confirmation, it's junior high boy, we would have confirmation classes to be a member of the church and be accepted in the church and ceremony. But it went in one year and out the other year, so I couldn't wait to get out of the house. And there's a verse in Proverbs 14:12 that says, There's a way that seems right with man, but in the end, leads to death. In other words, a lot of roads tell you, you know, this is how you can get to God through morality and philosophy and religion and good works. So I figured I'd go out and see what the world has to offer. But the world only had dead-end roads, only dead-end roads. And everyone, some of them were disastrous, some of them were not good. You know, I lived a life of partying, drinking, and, and chasing. And it wasn't a good life, but I was looking all the right answers. I was a good, hard-working kid. I went through from Middlebury to Chicago and back to Elkhart, and that's where I met my wife. And she looked like Kim Novak when I met her. Beautiful actress and singer. <laughs> She's sitting over here. And when we got married, we had two children in Chicago, but we were never really involved in the church much. Only time we were involved, I think, was for baptisms and weddings, and that was about it. Christ wasn't part of her life when she was growing up, and really not for me either. But praise the Lord. I don't know about you. Praise the Lord that we have praying grandparents. And I used to get a card from my praying grandfather on my father's side, Olin Yoder, and it'd say something, thinking about you, and it'd say, 
Israel, reach out to Jesus. He's reaching out to you. And I'd read that and I'd say, well, that's good for these older people. <laughs> and I'd throw it in a Bible that's followed me around. It was covered with dust. It was a King James Bible. But those hearts, those prayers began to knock on my heart. And I realized there was something missing in my life. And I realized I needed to get my family back into my roots. And we moved back to Elkhart, Indiana. And eventually, I wanted to raise our two kids in our church. And so we started going to my wife's denomination, the United Church of Christ. And before long, a new pastor came and made church so much fun. We wanted to go more often because it was fun and more fun families were joining. Before long, he took a liking to me and says, Kent, you're in meetings well. I want you to be on the church board, which is called the consistory. Before long, he says, hey, Kent, I want you to be president. And I'm going, you've got to be kidding. Me? You want me? I said, I don't know the Bible. You know, I've got some understanding. But it's got in the King James, these, those, and thou's in it, and I don't understand it. So bless his soul, Dino, he went out and got a study called Bethel Bible Series by Harley Swiggum. And in there, I volunteered along with 11 other people. We were trained up by the pastor. It was like a year and a half program, 24 visual pictures of the old and 24 of the new. And I began to see that God's word began to convict me. And begin to speak to my heart because we know the word of God is powerful and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It sanctifies, we know, sanctify them by the truth. My word is truth. It becomes a light, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It says you can't live on bread alone but by every word from the mouth of God. Right, Pat? From every, we can't live on bread alone but by every word from the mouth of God. So am I reading this? Christ is working in my life. And I'm thinking, I said, Pastor, I said, uh, where did those big ten rules come from? I think on that detour from Middlebury to Purdue to Chicago back, I think I broke every one of those ten commandments because it says if you've broken one in James, you've broken them all. And he also raised the level higher, and he says you've ever been angry. It's the same as murder. And if you've lied, you know, yeah, I've lied. And if you've stolen anything, yeah, I've stolen. Have you ever coveted? Yeah, I've coveted. Yeah, I've got other gods. God, Goff was a big god for a long time. And other gods, I was an idolater and a liar and a thief. And I'm thinking, no, I've really got to raise the bar a little bit higher in this church because all these people have never sinned, and they're all holy. So... I go to church, and one time I went into the pastor's study that my Bible mentor was teaching a passage of, and he gave us each a verse to read, and it came to me, and I literally couldn't read it. And here I am, you know, I've been on the church board, I'm singing in the choir, I'm teaching, trying to do all these good things, and I literally hyperventilated. And I didn't understand it until after I came to Christ that the shame and guilt from all these good works in the church wasn't solving the problem. Was not, an, was not the answer. Yeah, wow, is right. So one night, my mom, after, I think, staying at our house and babysat, dropped off a book called The Posse Power of Jesus Christ. And I'm reading in there, and he's saying good news, good news. And I'm thinking, what is the good news? In there he's saying, Jesus loved you so much 
that he would die for your sins that you deserve to die for. I said, I've never heard that from the pulpit. No, it was never explained from the pulpit. We heard a lot of great stories, but never heard the clear message of the gospel. All of a sudden, the message of the gospel became real to me for the first time. That it's grace and his mercy. It's a free gift. It's nothing I can do to earn. It was all paid for at the cross for us, for you and me. I said, all right, Lord. I said, if this is really true, my wife's asleep. I said, if this is really true, make yourself known. And he filled that bedroom with his spiritual presence, convicted me. He literally crucified me with Christ. He buried me with Christ and resurrected me, a new man in Christ. I said, here, take this life that I made such a mess of. I offer to you to use whatever way you wish. So anytime anybody would ask me, Kent, how you doing? I'd say, fantastic. Well, nobody would ever ask me why. You know, I wanted to tell them why. <laughs> but the, way, the weather was lousy and, you know, blizzards and whatever was going on in 77 and 78. And I'd tell them, Fan, you know, fantastic after I came to Christ. And... But nobody listened. One day, I'm in this Christian businessman Bible study on Tuesday mornings. And my friend, Paul File, whom I miraculously met. How are we doing on time? I got about, okay. And he'd gone to day course, just accepted Jesus Christ. And we're at BSF on a Monday night. <laughs> His truck, God put next to mine. And it said, he had a sticker on the back of it that said, day course. And... So I'm standing there. He comes walking up, and he's, he's you know, stepping pretty high because he just accepted Christ at Day Calores. And, you know, Paul, nothing <laughs> passes by him. And I said, hey, what do you know about Day Calores? Because I'd already been to two Day Calores with Brad Walker. Brad Walker invited me to Day Calores and set me even more on fire. <laughs> and... He told me all about Day Calores. I said, yeah, I've been to two. And I said, hey, by the way, we have a Christian businessman's Bible study on Tuesday mornings that you just love. I said, are you a businessman? He says, oh, yeah. Doing <laughs> sales down to Walker Farm and Garden. And so I invited him in there. And so after a year or two of going there, he comes back with this cassette tape on how to share Jesus. Well, if you're in there, he said, they're free. They're being handed out by WFRN. And so we, I looked at it, and I said, this is the answer. This is the answer I've been searching for to share with my friends, because how do you move a secular conversation to a spiritual conversation without offending people? You know, because in business, you know, if you're really good at sales, you really know how to meet people's needs, and you really don't want to offend anybody because you want to sell them something, especially if you're building your business. And... I've looked at this, and I said, this is astounding. This is the answer. So, share Jesus without fear. I have several of these very unique cue cards right here. And the first five questions you are called to ask, because questions tell you that I care about people. And if you don't, <laughs> you just listen and don't preach to them, and say, I understand, and go, uh-huh. And the first question I've asked over the years is, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? I did this with an uncle of 90 years old. I was sharing how I 
was sharing Christ with so many people and seeing hundreds come to Christ on planes, at Bob Evans, on trips, whatever it might be. It just opened up conversations with me on my wildest dreams. And I did this with a 90-year-old uncle, told my cousin about it, and she was in tears and said, Uncle Charles is not saved. And I said, I'd be glad to go to his house and share Jesus with him, share Jesus without fear, I love on him with the love of Christ. He was a former CEO of Summer Band Instruments. He well-to-do, had a beautiful house on the St. Joe River. So I went over and called him, set up an appointment with him beforehand. He said, sure, come over, Kent. So I went over and sat down. He had no idea why I was over there because I never called him to come and visit him. Only once a year would I see him at family get-togethers. And so I had a big print Bible, highlighted seven verses in it, and sat it down. I had small talk with him. I said, Uncle Charles, you probably heard about my transformed life, just like I shared with you. And he said, yeah, I think I've heard some things. So I shared my testimony just like I did with you. And I said, Uncle Charles, I've got some serious questions I need to ask you. And he said, what are they? And I said, Uncle Charles, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? He looked at me and he says, for 60 years I've been going to church and the liturgy doesn't mean a thing to me. I'll guarantee you in these questions, you'll find out in two questions whether people know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Guaranteed, Lou. Second question to you is Jesus Christ. He says, you know the stories about Noah and the whale and the ark? You know, I mean, Jonah and the whale and the ark. <laughs> Sometimes the age catches up with you. <laughs> he says, I, I can't believe those are true. And I know, how could those be true? I said, and I never started preaching to him, not once. And I affirmed him where he was spiritually, even though in my mind now I know he doesn't know Christ as his Lord and Savior. I said, can I ask you another question? He said, sure, go for it. I said, do you believe in heaven and hell? He says, I believe in heaven. I don't know about hell. <laughs> I said, if he died today, do you know where he go? He says, well, I hope, heaven. And so the last question, if what you believe were not true, would you like to know? Because in these five questions... You can do this with anybody in your family, anybody you know. It's amazing what they're going to tell you if you really care and love one. They'll tell you everything. I've heard every story under the sun. And I sometimes meet Christians, which is, makes it even as exciting. But all you're doing is sowing the word of God and you're lifting up Jesus Christ, unbeknownst to them. And you may not get to go any further. You can stop any time when you do these questions. It's amazing. How God blesses you through this. So he said, sure. So I opened up that big Bible that was laying there. We opened it up. I had seven verses highlighted. And the first verse is part of the Romans road. It says, for all of sin, for sure the glory of God. And he read that out loud. I said, I simply asked him, what does it say? Because you depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word that changed someone's mind. And I begin to see his life transforming right before my eyes. And my heart's jumping out of my chest. You know, I'm like so excited because I can't, I can't believe what God's doing. I figured he'd chase me out of the house, you know, cut the conversation off, go read his Wall Street drill, you know. But he didn't. And he said, you know, I says, what did that say? He says, everybody has sinned. I says, does that include Mother Teresa and, and Billy Graham? <laughs> and I said, he said, yes. 
And he says, by the way, what is the glory of God? Now, normally when somebody would ask you a question when you're going through this, you'd say, that's an excellent question. I'd like to answer that later. Can I go on with sharing some more with you? But God had me answer him for his purpose. And I said, Jesus Christ was glorified on that cross for you when he died for your sins and my sins. For all of sin, Paul, sure, the glory of God. And he said, that's fine. So I took him to the next scripture. So we talked about the issue of sin. Now we want to talk about the penalty of sin. And the penalty of sin is in Romans 6.23. So I do the page turning and getting to the address because I'm not depending upon someone to understand how to turn their Bible and get to the address in the scripture. So I turned to Romans 6.23 in the Bible. And I asked him to read it out loud. And the purpose and the principle of reading it out loud is what? Anybody know? Romans 10, 7. Yeah, that's right, Linda. Faith comes by hearing and through the word of God because it's powerful. Believe it or not, this just isn't print. All scripture is God breathed. He spoke creation into being by his spoken word. That's how powerful it is. So we should be quoting scriptures or having people read them out loud. Out loud. He read that out loud, and I said, you're a CEO. You paid out a lot of wages to people who work for you. And they deserved it because they put in time for you and served you in your business at Selmer Band Instruments. He says, I understand that. And he says here, it says the wages of sin is death. So people who live a life of sin deserve to get paid what? Death. And what is death in the Bible? It's separation from God, it's hell, it's a lake of fire, it's all that. Eternal pain, and he understood that. And he read the rest of the gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus. I said, now, Uncle Charles, I'd just been at the ATM. The smallest denomination I had was a $20 bill. And I pulled out a $20 bill, and I said, Uncle Charles, for you to understand the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, I want to give you a gift. So he took it. I said, now for that to be a gift, what did you need to do? He says, I needed to work for it. I said, would you hand that back? I want to do this again. So I took it back, and I handed it to him again. He grabbed it real quick. He knew what 20 bucks meant. <laughs> I said, now whose salary did that come out of it? Did it come out of my salary or your salary? He said, yours. Yours. And I said, it wouldn't have been a gift. If it came out of yours, you'd have had to work for it, right? So the gift of God is his grace and mercy is a free gift, and you need to freely receive it. And what do you get? Eternal life. And who do you get it in, I'd ask him? He said, Christ Jesus. His eyes kept getting brighter and brighter. And so I took him to John 3.3, which talks about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can enter, see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. So that talks about a relationship. Then we went into John 14, 6, about the narrowness of the gospel. And we all know what that says. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? So it talks about the narrowness of the gospel. There's a sister verse. It's in Acts 4, 12. It says, salvation's found in no other name, for there's no other name under heaven by which, what? Must be saved. So it's only through Christ. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. 
So then I took him. He read that out loud. He understood. You could just see him getting more excited. And I took him to the Romans 10, 9, and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, says you will be saved. For it's with your how, heart, what? You believe and are justified, and you, with your mouth you confess and are saved. I remember sharing with a businessman that sold his business for several million dollars. And he told me also that he wasn't sure he was going to heaven. Do you know, when he read that verse, I said, Jim, let's read that again. Do you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And he said, yes. I said, do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? He said, yes. I said, what does the rest of that verse say? What does it say? You shall be saved. Not might, maybe. And tears started coming out of his eyes. There was no, no need for him to pray that prayer. Not at all. Wow. So my uncle read it. He understood. Then I took him to 2 Corinthians. It was 2 Corinthians 5.15. Yeah, 5.15. Yeah. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for himself, but live for him who died. Loved you and, and rose again. And he read that and he understood that. And I read Revelation 3.20. He read that out loud. So I said, I want to close with five questions. I'll go, Charles, is that okay? He said, sure. I said, do you believe you're a sinner? He said, yes. Do you want forgiveness for your sins? He said, yes. Do you believe Jesus died for you and was buried for you and resurrected for you? And he said, yes. And I said, hallelujah, in my mind I'm saying that. I'm really excited now. And I said, are you ready to surrender your life to Christ? Are you ready to invite him to your heart and life? And he looked at me and he looked at me and he says, I don't know what that means. I said, Lord, help me, I'm praying, because you're to be silent and pray. And I said, let's go back to Revelation 3.20. He didn't know it was Jesus Christ that was knocking on the heart of his door, and that he had to open that door. So it's really either I will accept what I just heard and read, or I reject it. So either I open the door, invite Christ in, or I reject the message. Because there's going to be people who you share with are going to reject your message of Jesus Christ. And they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus Christ. So number, don't be offended by it. God's just leading you to the next person that you need to share Christ with and pray for. And need your prayers. Need your love. Need your forgiveness. Need your grace. He said, after he realized that, I said, are you ready to accept Christ? He says, I'll try. I'll try. That was pretty awesome. So we prayed the prayer like a wedding ceremony because Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the picture, the whole body, this whole body is the picture of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's the body of Christ, is the bride of Christ. We're the bride, this beautiful bride that he sees as pure as a virgin coming down for a wedding ceremony. Because Jesus has been standing here the whole time. He sees us righteous and pure without sin. So I said, we're going to pray this just like a wedding ceremony. And he repeated right after me, Heavenly Father. And he repeated after me, Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against you. I want forgiveness, he said. And I want forgiveness of all my sins. And I believe Jesus died and he repeated that just like a wedding ceremony. On the cross for me, on the cross for me, and rose again. And Father, I give you my life, and you repeated that. To do with you, to do with as you wish. I want Jesus Christ to come into my life, and you repeated that. 
and into my heart. And he, I asked this in Jesus' name. He repeated every phrase, just like a wedding ceremony. I said, Uncle Charles, did you pray that sincerely with me? He said, yes, I did. I said, where is Jesus now? He said, all around me. All around. Yeah, I, amen. Amen. And I've seen hundreds of people wanting to do that in Jesus' name, only because you make yourself available. There's a, there's a passage in Colossians 4. You want to write this down. I call it God's strategic plan of evangelism. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. 2 through 6. And it basically says, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to pray. And pray, pray that, that the gospel be clearly open to them. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pray that I may make the most of every opportunity. Pray that I'll be wise in the way I act towards outsiders. And pray that my conversation be full grace, seasoned with salt, so I know how to answer everybody that you put in my path. Be willing, if you're going to be a mission church, and every Christian, I don't think you're a Christian, true born-again Christian, unless you have a mission's heart, that you care enough about how much Jesus has done for you and how much mercy he's shown you, that you'd be willing, be willing to tell someone else about that gift. Because we can't keep the gift. You don't lose the gift, but you get to give it to someone else. And I'm going to tell you, when I go out and share with people, it is worship to seek God and the power of the Holy Spirit harvest somebody for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So I want to bless you this morning for taking the time to, to listen to my story and share with me. Um, there's a verse in Philemon 1, 6. It says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. So that's my prayer for this congregation that you'll reach out and ask God to open doors. If you do that every day, I'll guarantee you, you'll be so surprised. When I first learned this, I asked my son one day after a round of golf, I said, Brett, I'm just learning how to do this. Would you kind of help role play with me at the house? Linda was gone. So we went over. I said, would you do this with me? So I went through the whole Share Jesus Without Fear. Five opening questions, seven verses, five closing questions. I said, son, just be yourself. Because he'd been out of high school. He'd gone to Purdue. He'd worked for Ford Motor Company, got married, and now was back working for our company. I had no idea where he was spiritually. I had no idea. And after he did that, he sincerely accepted Christ. And he says, I, Dad, you tricked me. You tricked me. <laughs> he tricked me. And he's become a Christian husband. He's become a Christian businessman. Dino knows. He's really blessed our family. Really blessed our family. My dad uh, saw my changes. He put me in business. I wouldn't be standing here if my dad hadn't been gracious and put me in the Yoder Oil Company 40-some oh, years ago, 1976. And uh, we'd go to breakfast all the time. We had a great relationship. Taught me how to play golf and put me in business. He was very gracious, kind. But I knew he had struggles from the time of my parents' divorce. So I wanted to know for sure that he was saved. 
I never had enough courage to ask my own dad until I learned how to ask these simple questions and listen to my dad and affirm where he was. And he shared a message about how he had had this personal relationship at a revival that surprised my socks off. Yeah, he knew the name of the revival pastor, how he was supposed to get back to his midnight church and get baptized. He remembered every detail of it, even though he didn't live out. A lot of people fall away and fall back, but it doesn't mean they're not saved. So I found out because of sheer Jesus without fear that my dad had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I have seen God harvest hundreds for Christ. I've seen golfers. I've seen employees, customers, vendors, Muslims, South African farmer, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a wife, children, grandchildren, a nurse, a telemarketer. Call If you want to get a telemarketer off the phone, boom. boom. Say, what are your spiritual beliefs to you as Jesus? <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> My dad's best friend, he was... He'd lost his keys outside of a restaurant. Somebody handed him and said, hey, your be dad's best friend. He was 90 years old, lost his keys. I took him in and shared Jesus without fear. Said, God gave me the keys, the keys of the gospel, and he'd lost his keys to his car. And I took him in and shared Christ with him. A lady came to the house when I had, after I had a hernia operation, knocking on the door. I didn't want to go to the door. And I said, Lord, I just don't want to go. It's too painful even to stand up. She says, I want you to stand up and go answer that door. And she had a beagle dog that was lost in the street. She thought it was our dog. She was the one that was lost. She told me a story. I kept asking her, what are your spiritual beliefs? Do you use Jesus? I just listened to her. Just listened to her. She says, I'm a daughter of a pastor. I've gone astray. I'm living with a guy down the street. She thought it down. I said, would you like to know Jesus? Would you like to know 100% you're sure you're going to heaven? She said, sure, yes, I, I would. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. So just bold enough to ask people. From hospital patients, auto dealers, sales managers, corporate executive owners, owners of restaurants, NFL coach Jim Hannafin, alcoholics, addicts, 90-year-old uncle I told you about, my best friend's son, daughter's old boyfriend, <laughs> and mobile salesman. It's a long story. Oh, my. I can tell you hundreds of stories. God is good. He's good all the time. Amen? Amen. So my closing is the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for having me. Wow, that's a good word, uh, Brother Kent. Appreciate it. Yeah, do you have those to hand out? Anybody would like one of these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly the program I explained. If there's anybody here. I really sensed if there's anybody here that isn't sure that they're going to heaven, that they're not 100% sure they're going to heaven, please come up and see the prayer team or me afterwards, one-on-one. -on -one. I would love to share with you. I would love to pray with you. I really sensed as I prepared talking to you this week that there was someone here that's still kind of struggling, isn't sure about their saving faith of Jesus Christ. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to come because it's life transforming to be set free from the power of sin and thinking that you can be still good enough like I was. So please come up and see me. I appreciate talking to you. Thanks.
Excellent prayer team, and we'll be available to my right. And Kent, if you could be available, that'd be great too. As I was driving down, I was praying. I generally, when I come down here, I prayed the whole way down. Um, I felt the same thing. I felt there was someone here, you know, that, you know, primarily we asked Kent to come to, to share with us as Christians, most of us are Christians, uh, to encourage us, to equip us. As I, as I mentioned, when Josh Muse, the missionary, was here a few weeks ago, that uh, anointing is caught, not taught. And so someone who has an anointing to lead hundreds of people from all walks into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we want to catch what he has. And we can learn some things, but you got to catch it. You kind of got to see, oh, if he can do it, I can do it, right? But I felt as I was driving down in prayer that there is someone that needs to be uh, saved. And, I mean, he was on the board of the church and had been asked to be the president. And he wasn't a Christian yet. <laughs> there. You know, and so maybe you're in the similar place. Maybe you've been coming to church. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you don't even know what Christianity is, but you're checking it out. But maybe you've been coming often. Um, and you know the ideas, and you know it's good, but that that step of opening the door and letting Christ in and seeing Christ become Lord, that means he's your boss, he's in charge of your life, and you really, really yield you give way, you follow him, you, you, your life changes so that you begin to live like him. You follow Christ. That, that transaction, that interaction, that commitment hasn't happened. Yet. Or, or maybe you don't feel like it's, it's, it's to the place that you've heard the change in Kent's life and you see the change in other people's lives. And we're all sinners. When he shared that, uh, you know, you go to church, you think everybody else is holy. And it's always funny because as a pastor, you know, I generally know how holy you aren't. <laughs> you know, we're not holy. All have sinned. We're all, we, we all start on, at the same place. Okay? But that free gift of salvation is available to all. But you do have to open the door. You have to take the gift. You have to receive it. And you have to realize that there's nothing you could possibly ever do to earn it. And so that's humility, that's saying, I, I receive, and then comes the joy of salvation. So, Father, would you join with me in prayer? <clears throat> Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, for each person here, Lord, if there's anyone thinking, well, maybe I should go up and get prayer, Lord, I just pray that you'd speak into their hearts and that they would. Father, and for those of us who have followed you, Lord, I pray that you'd give us, we'd catch that anointing of sharing fearlessly our faith and that we can do it in a way that's, that's easy and that uh, is, is, and is effective. Lord, I pray an impartation of that. And Lord, I pray that each person that's come this morning would leave in a different way, that we would receive a transfer, maybe, maybe salvation, maybe encouragement, maybe a challenge to be a witness. In some way, we'd leave these, this place uh, with a deposit from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.